So what's next for the Milwaukee Brewers? They've made a couple of minor moves. Well, you could say minor moves, trading Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor. But what's going to happen here going forward as the countdown begins to Valentine's Day? That's when the Brewers report to spring training. We'll talk to Jack Stern from brewcooball.com. We'll get his take. We haven't talked to him in a while. We'll get him next on Lockdown Brewers. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hope you had a good holiday. Good to have you aboard here as, uh, you know, we continue to move on in our offseason. Remember, uh, I was thinking, have the Brewers ever made a move on Christmas? Christmas Eve of 2004, they signed Jeff Supon. I hated it from the very beginning. I hated it from the very beginning. And he came out and he started off 2000. Well, what, no, they signed him in December 2006, because then he came out in 2007 and I was doing sports talk in Green Bay and people hammered me because they're off to a 4 0 start. Oh, Chuck, you got to rethink that. That was a great pickup for the Brewers. And all of a sudden, they had me tilting the other way. And I'm like, well, turned out I was right in the very beginning, after all, on Jeff Sutton. Uh, Jack Stern, a guy who I'm always right about, joins us right now here on Lockdown Brewers, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. It is great getting him aboard and talking brewer. It's been since late October <laughs> that we've talked to Jack. Uh, Jack, the Supon trade, I mean, were you thumbs up or thumbs down on that, that Christmas Eve move, 2006? Well, I was too young at that point to even <laughs> care about that move. I was afraid um, to ask. Yeah, that's going to make some people feel old probably. But in hindsight, just kind of looking at what Jeff Supon did in his career up until the point when the Brewers signed mm-hmm. him, that's expectation there should have been maybe yeah. he's a number five innings eater because that's really all he had been at any point in his career if you're signing him as you know, sort of a big addition to your rotation that's misplaced expectations, and I think that proved to be pretty true once he came to Milwaukee. Well, four years, $40 million at that time, still was a lot a lot of money, four years, $40 million, and I'm like, that was one of the richest, still is like one of the biggest, bigger contracts in Brewer history. I, I had no intention of bringing that up, but in the intro, that just came to me. It just dawned on me. I'm like, man, Christmas Eve, we had a move, 2006, but... Good to have you along. We haven't talked. A lot of things, of course, have changed off the field of the Milwaukee Brewers. We got a new skipper um, and new manager, Pat Murphy. Off the top, I, you know, we haven't talked to you since then. W- what did you think there about council Council going to Chicago? <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I've told pretty much everyone who's asked me about this, this is one of the very few times where there's been Brewers news that completely floored me, like shocked me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that something like that was going to happen. And I think that was the case for just about everybody. It was just a weird day and a weird couple of weeks in the fallout of that. And I think that we still haven't gotten a whole lot of answers as to how exactly that whole process went down. I know my takeaway is as time kind of progressed and I processed through it a little bit was it really just seemed a little strange on council's part, the way that the whole thing went down, especially because from the brewer's perspective, it just seemed like, they had missed something, that there was something that they didn't hear from him. There was a suspicious lack of contact leading up to his decision, and that kind of coincided with when he was having that secret meeting with Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer. 
it was just a really, really surprising, strange way that everything unfolded. And I think the Brewers were kind of in scramble mode after it happened in terms of kind of coming up with how they were going to react to this in front of the media, just because no one saw it coming. I think they were prepared for council to go somewhere else, but you could tell just by the reactions of Mark Adonacio, Matt Arnold, the players who were asked about it, nobody saw that coming. You know, look at Beck. Cubs already had a manager when council was interviewing a little sneaky. And then he, if I recall, he called them, <laughs> he called them and, well, I, it was odd, just odd. The whole thing, how that just materialized. And before you know it, he's being introduced as the next manager of the Chicago Cubs. I'm like, huh? <laughs> just odd. Uh, Jack Stern joining us here. Lockdown Brewers, part of lockdown podcast network. Uh, probably the biggest off season. Well, of course, Woodruff, um, not tendering him. That was, uh, yeah, that's even bigger than this one. But getting Coleman Crew, Coleman Crew in a move for Tyrone Taylor and, uh, you know, Adrian Hauser. Do you look at that as a, a corresponding move is going to be made somewhere down the line that this sets the table for something else? There's a part of me that wants to believe that, but I'm honestly not entirely sure because this was a trade where the Brewers were shipping out two guys who really didn't have as clear of a role with the team moving forward. Adrian mm -hmm. Hauser had one year of club control left, and you could slot him into the back of that rotation as kind of that league average fifth starter that he's been for the last few years now. But if you're the Brewers, you're probably thinking that you can get similar production that you would have from Hauser out of guys like Joe Ross, um, Robert Gosser, top prospect in the Brewers system, a couple of guys who could probably give you that roughly league average output at the back of the rotation. So I can understand why the Brewers wanted to move Hauser. He was actually a guy who at the tender deadline, I had a feeling that they were going to tender him a contract for that last year mm -hmm. and then try to trade him. Tyrone Taylor was in that camp as well. I think there was a case to be made for still giving him quite a bit of playing time, considering how unproven some of the young players in that Brewers outfield are, but it seems like the Brewers are, committed to going with some youth in the outfield, wanting to see what these guys can do. So Taylor was always a candidate to be the odd man out. So I'm not really surprised that they shipped either of these guys away. And I don't think it's necessarily a precursor to other moves. I think it's really just a precursor to getting playing time for some other guys in the system who the Brewers think can do the same job that those guys did. Yeah, when I look at that, I, I don't know. I just feel like clearing some contract space but when you think about the adrian hauser move that's a that's an affordable contract at five million dollars for a starting pitcher for the brewers right and it's a situation where i think you know just about any team would be willing to have a guy like that at the back of the rotation who's not flashy but if you can mm -hmm. have him for under six million dollars you look at what the going rate is for starters even starters who just eat innings but have been terrible the last year or two those guys are getting more money than adrian hauser is going to be paid next season so I think it was a situation where, again, I think a lot of teams would be happy to have a guy like that at the back of the rotation for that price. But I also think the Brewers believe that if you can get similar production from a couple of other guys who are making, you know, less than five and a half million dollars, you go with that and then see if you can get something in return for Hauser before he hits free agency at the end of next year. I think the good thing about the Brewers that have not made any splash moves or anything to really make this team that much better. There's nobody else in the division really. Well, I guess the Cardinals a little bit have gotten better. If you want to call it that, I mean, those, if the Sunny Grays pan out, but uh, nobody really in this division, Jack has really taken a step forward. 
Yeah, and I think something that has surprised a lot of people is you look at the Cubs. They were supposedly, after they brought in Council, the Mm -hmm. team to watch, the team that's going to be aggressive on the free agent market, bring some guys in. And it seems like they were at least in the running for a couple of big talents who signed recently, but they haven't done anything either. So it's been a very quiet offseason all around baseball, and I think that's another important thing to remember. You had a couple of really big free agents at the top in Shohei Otani and Yamamoto, who are kind of clogging up the rest of that market. People are waiting for those big dominoes to fall before you start to see some of these middle-tier free agents sign. So hopefully now that those guys have found new homes, you're going to start to see some of these players who fit into the price range of the Brewers and their division rivals. You might see those guys start to sign pretty soon here, especially now that we're past Christmas. Do the Brewers have to send a message to their season ticket base? Well, Tyus, Jack, that burning question coming up next. Chuck Freeman, Lockdown Brewers, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Chuck Freeman, Jack Stern joining us. He's from BrewCrewBall.com. Read his work on there. We'll talk to him, uh, rejoin him just coming up here in a little bit. The show is brought to you by the good folks over at FanDuel. If you're thinking about getting into that atmosphere, that arena, Boy, check it out right now. They have such great deals going on for you at FanDuel. Uh, they got the $150 bonus on FanDuel. I mean, the $150 bonus if you win a $5 money line bet. That's all you got to do. Go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on, and you are good as gold. Now, what's a what's a money line bet? Well, there's no point spread in a lot of all. You just got to pick the winner. Very easy to do. Very simple. Not bad. I mean, like, like yesterday, if you would have picked, uh, oh, I don't know, Philadelphia against uh, the New York Giants. You said, oh, I'll take Philly number nine. $5 bet. You win it. You get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins, if you had the Eagles. Now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, get in the spreads, the player props, the over and unders, the money lines, the live bets. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown. And with all the college basketball going on right now, the holiday tournaments, the bowl games, NFL, it's getting great. Got football going on on Saturdays as well with the NFL. Score early with the NFL and get that $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet on the money line. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL, but go to fanduel.com slash lockdown, L-O-C-K-E-D, and kick off the NFL season. Chuck Freeman, Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you, everybody, for always joining us here on Lockdown Brewers. Get us on Google, Spotify, Apple, run all the major downloads. Go to YouTube, search Lockdown Brewers. Hit the, 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 once you get us up, hit the subscribe button, hit that like button, alert you every time we drop an episode. We are here all off-season talking Brewers baseball with you. Jack Stern returns with us after this time out here on Lockdown Brewers. Welcome back to Lockdown Brewers. My name is Chuck Freeman, first-year host, longtime sportscaster here in the state of Wisconsin, Jack Stern from BrewCrewBall.com, joining us right now. Jack, do they have to send a message to the season ticket base, which seems to be down in recent years, that that we're that we really want to win? I feel like there's a, a sentiment about Brewer fans that Mark Antanasio doesn't want to win, and he doesn't, you know he doesn't want to spend money. He does want to win. There's no doubt about that. But the message sometimes he sends in the offseason gives people mixed feelings about that. Yeah, I think that if there is one thing that you can kind of poke at the Brewers a little bit for is not so much a desire to win, but it's their messaging. Mm -hmm. I think that they haven't done a very good job of 
being good at PR, doing a good job, kind of explaining to fans what the objective is, how they're trying to win, just what the plan is. I know they've tried a little bit since really David Stearns used that bites of the apple line during the infamous Josh Hader trade. But I think Mm -hmm. that was really kind of the beginning of fans not really being able to understand what's going on here and what the vision is. I think they're trying to get better at that. And I think that the first step that they've really tried to take now in sending a clear message to this fan base is signing Jackson Churio to that record-breaking extension for a player who's never played in the major leagues. I think that they've done a pretty good job of trying to hype him up and show the fans that this is the guy we want to build around. This is the guy who is going to be the centerpiece for the long term. At the same time, I think there still has been a little bit of a problem with the messaging where fans are still perceiving it now as, okay, so we're starting a rebuild around Churio. And something that the Brewers have been trying to do throughout this whole stretch here under David Stearns and Matt Arnold is they're trying to just keep this continuous window of contention open and they're trying to avoid having to rebuild or step back or do anything of that sort. And part of that process is going to be some moves that probably confuse the fans a little bit. It might seem like the Brewers are trying to do two different things at once because in a sort of roundabout way, they are. They're trying to counterbuild is really what they're looking at here. So that might mean trading away some pieces from the big league roster who seem like they're immediate contributors. You can talk about the Mark Canna trade that recently happened. That's a little bit confusing to some people. You can talk about when they traded Hunter Renfro last offseason. And then a few weeks later, they're going to turn around and they're going to add a couple of middle tier free agents to try to replace those guys, or they're going to call up some prospects that they have in the system to replace those guys. So I do think they do need to do a little bit of a better job of perhaps explaining to fans what the objective is here, because the objective is to compete every single season. And the hope is that by doing that and making the playoffs almost every year, one of these years, everything is going to click at the right time. And they're going to be the team that gets hot in October and ends up winning a world series. That's what their goal is. And I think that's the message that they should be trying to send to ticket holders and to fans. I just don't think they've done a very good job selling that vision. No, and I almost, I do want them to take more than just doing, you know, patching things together just good enough to get to the postseason. Um, you know, it'd be great to see, like the Bucks. The Bucks mortgage draft picks and all that for the future to get Damian Lillard. They're going to make a run, and this is going to cost them in the long run. I, I almost want to feel like they do that. Uh, you know, Doug Melvin said in 2008 when he went out and got CeCe, he felt that they had to break that drought to get to the postseason. They had to break that door down, and they did. They lost the first round of the playoffs, but I feel like the Brewers need to just be all in, and if it means being bad in a couple of years, let's let's throw the house at somebody and get the Pete Alonzos in here for you know one year or whatever. Just try it. So I'm not entirely sure if the Sabathia comparison quite works for where the Brewers are at now, and this is just the way that I see it. When you talk about Sabathia, again, you're talking about ending a long playoff drought. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the fan expectation is, you know, if we can just get into the playoffs, this city is going to explode and everyone is going to be ecstatic. And that's what happened. It's a little bit of a different situation now where fans are used to the Brewers being competitive. They're used to the Brewers getting into the playoffs. And really the goal now is, I think in fans' mind, is in order for us to be happy, we want to see a championship. We want to see a Absolutely. World Series. Absolutely. That's the next door they got to break down. Right. But I think that, again, it kind of comes back to 
what do they think is the best way to get there? Because I know we talked about the messaging hasn't been great, but from a baseball operations standpoint, you really shouldn't care a whole lot about what fans think is the best way to get to a World Series. Because at the end of the day, if you win one, that's what's going to make people happy. Mm -hmm. And if you're the Brewers and you're in a position where there is that guy available for the right price who you think it is a worthwhile trade-off to go all in on that player, I think you have to consider it. I'm just not sure that's been there for them the past couple of years. And I also think the last couple of years serve as, as an example of what happens when teams try to go all in and things don't end up very well. I think the San Diego Padres are a very good example yeah. of that. Had a good core, had some really good young talent in their minor league system. A.J. Preller does a tremendous job of building a farm system. And then they went all in. And I think they went all in a little bit prematurely. And they didn't really go about doing it the best way. The Padres have this habit of really buying high on guys and overspending on some big stars. Xander Bogarts is a good example of that. They signed him to a massive deal when now they're already looking to move him off a shortstop one year into that contract and try to have him play a different position because they think they have better options there. And they just end up in this spot where they've dumped all these resources into competing and they don't have a title to show for it yet. They're not quite in the spot yet where things are breaking down, but they already had to trade away Juan Soto after they made a big deal for him not long ago. So I think we do see some examples of how that doesn't always work out. And then you have teams like the Diamondbacks who ended up going to the World Series this year after defeating the Brewers. You can look at the Washington Nationals in 2019. They were not the best team on paper. They beat the Brewers, ended up going to the World Series and winning the World Series mm -hmm. that year. And again, there was a little bit more spending there because they did have the big arms in that rotation who they went all in on. But it is a balancing act. And I think the Brewers are constantly analyzing the risk and reward of going all in. And I think right now, the way that they see it is they just have a better chance of reaching that ultimate goal if they give themselves more shots at it. Has the execution always been perfect for building a good roster to get to the World Series? I don't think it has, and I think that's where you learn some lessons and and maybe change the kind of players you're trying to target a little bit. But I think the overarching approach, even if it's not the most exciting way of going about it, I do think they have the right idea here, even if it's a little disappointing. And the only way to really ease that disappointment from fans is if it works. Well, I feel like they've the old mentality is let's try to try to bash our way to a title get a lot of offense. I mean, this is the old school way of thinking. And in the recent years, like like this past year was pitching, 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 but then he can't score any runs. It's got to be a happy medium somewhere down the line there. Right. I think so. And I think the Brewers certainly were not hoping for their offense to be as poor as it was in their last couple playoff runs. I think that they did believe that the group they assembled at the start of the season could hit a little bit more than that. Um, and you're right. Being able to mash is important in the playoffs too. Mm -hmm. Pitching and defense help you out a lot, and that's a big reason why the Brewers did so well in the regular season with a team that on paper did not look very good to a lot of people because they were able to keep runs off the board at such a premium rate. But I do think that when the sample size gets smaller in the playoffs, you got to be able to come up with that big hit. you got to be able to drive the ball, and that was something that the Brewers did not do in the playoffs, and that was something that really hurt them. They had guys on base – that entire series, they just could not come up with the extra base hit. They even hit really well with runners in scoring position, but all of those hits with runners in scoring position were singles, mm -hmm. so you're going station to station. And it really did come back to hurt them in the playoffs, and I think what they're really hoping is that some of these younger players they have now who have a lot of raw power, talking about Jackson Churio, Joey Weimer, 
even Garrett Mitchell has a lot of raw power, even if he hasn't tapped into it a ton in game action. I think they're really hoping that these are the guys who are going to bolster that lineup. Whether that works remains to be seen. I'm still a little bit skeptical of a lot of these guys, save for maybe Churio, but I think that's what the thought process is right now. I think they know that they need to get better at that, and they're trying. Whether it works, it's going to have to be a wait-and-see situation. What happens with Christian Yelich? What do we do with him? We'll talk to Jack more about this as we head down the home stretch of Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Chuck Freeman here on Lockdown Brewers. Great to have you aboard here as uh, we are here with you all winter long talking Brewer baseball, getting great guests like Jack on uh, talking. And you get us on Google, Spotify, Apple, on all the major downloads, the number one Brewer podcast on the internet. And, of course, go to YouTube, search Lockdown Brewers, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. That'll alert you every time we drop an episode here on Lockdown Brewers. Follow me, Chuck Freeman, F-R-E-I-M-U-N-D. When you bring Jack back, we'll get his Twitter account as well out to you so you can follow him and all the good stuff that he does on brewcrewball.com. Thank you all you everydayers for always joining us here on Lockdown Brewers. You guys who download us every day and follow us on YouTube and uh, you know message me on, on Twitter and all that, I appreciate it. I try to get back to you all and, and retweet some of the stuff. Um, it's great. I appreciate it. And, man, I love being a host of Lockdown Brewers. We'll come right back, finish up our conversation with Jack Stern next here on Lockdown Brewers. Welcome back to Lockdown Brewers. Chuck Freeman here on Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Jack Stern. Get a hold of him on Twitter by Jack Stern. Jack Stern, S-T-E-R-N, by Jack Stern. Easy to get to. Go to his website, brewcrewball. .com. Yeah, the offseason right now, we're kind of in a little bit of malaise right now, thinking a couple of moves are going to happen and some big things might happen. Where are we going from here, Jack, do you think? I think some people are hoping that there's a big move coming for the Brewers. Personally, I'm hoping that move is they trade someone like Corbin Burns to get some MLB pieces back, kind of mm-hmm. stockpile for the future a little bit, um, guys who can help them long term. But I'm honestly not convinced that there's going to be a series of major moves coming because you just Mm -hmm. look at the free agent market is not amazing for the Brewers' needs and for their budget. Outside of Burns, I don't think you're getting a whole lot of impact pieces back in a trade. If I had to guess what's going to happen from here on out, I do think the Brewers are going to sign another first base slash DH type player. I know they've been rumored to be still talking to Carlos Santana about bringing him back after he finished last year with the Brewers as a trade deadline acquisition. There's a couple guys at that position who could help them out. Brandon Belt is another guy, a left-handed bat, who could help in that DH spot. The Brewers do need some power at first base and at DH. I know they added Jake Bowers from the Yankees in a trade back in November. He's a guy who should be able to supply some power, even if there are some concerns with the strikeouts. But they do need more, so I think that's an area that they're going to try to bring another player in who kind of fits that middle-tier budget that they're trying to run right now. Then I think there's a possibility that they do trade away one of their relievers. I think things are getting a little bit crowded in that bullpen. They have a lot of guys who either are out of options or they're such a big part of their bullpen that there's no way they would option those guys down to the minor leagues during the season when they need a fresh arm. So I think that they could clear a little bit of space in there uh, by trading one of those guys and seeing what they can get back. Other than that, if they don't trade Corbin Burns, I really don't think there's any groundbreaking, earth-shattering moves coming here. I think mm-hmm. this is a team that is largely going to run it back with the main core pieces 
that they had last year. There's going to be some changes around the edges as there are every year, but I don't think we're going to see this radical makeover of the roster within the next few weeks, unless they do trade Corbin Burns. I feel like Carlos Santana, that's like a pirate's move. Well, there's nobody left. Oh, you might as well take Car- Carlos back. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be disappointed. Nothing against Carlos, but these 38 going to be 39 and all that. I just, I, we got to do better at first base. I, I think he's a guy who was really good for what the Brewers needed down the stretch last year. And he acclimated himself very well mm-hmm. to the clubhouse. Good defender at first base provided that power that they needed down the stretch. But I do share those concerns a little bit with you about the age. Yeah. He's getting up there. I think that they should probably have a similar approach to him as they did to Mark Canna before they traded him. Bring him in. He performs well in the second half after the trade deadline. And then you just kind of say, well, we got everything that we could have expected out Mm -hmm. of him. Now we're going to move on and we're going to see what else is out there. And I do think there are some other options at first base in free agency. That's the one position that just about every year you can find guys to supply power for cheap. And I think there are some guys who are more likely to hit for power then Santana is next season. They're not going to be all in moves or anything. Um, but I think that there are some other guys out there who I'd probably rather see them go after at this point. All right. Christian Yelich, what are we going to do with him? You want to keep him? You want to trade him? You want to move him around? Where do you see his, the plan for Christian Yelich's? I think the plan is he's still going to be the starting left fielder most of the time next year. Maybe some more DH time for him just to mm-hmm. get some of these young outfielders a little bit more playing time. But I think Yelich is locked into Milwaukee for the rest of that contract. He has a no-trade clause in that deal. Any attempt to trade him would basically be a salary dump, and I don't Mm -hmm. think that's the way the Brewers need to approach it. I know he's making a lot of money for a smaller market team, but in the grand scheme of things, if the Brewers are not going out and spending a lot of money on other free agents, I don't think it actually hurts them all that much. Again, he got back to producing in 2023. He was a nice piece for them. Still probably not playing quite at the rate you'd like with the amount of money they're paying him, but he's a solid everyday player. Probably should have been an all-star in 2023 just because he really did a nice job for them at the top of the order. His defense actually took a little bit of a step forward as well, but I know the contract isn't ideal, but this is a guy who is still very much a part of what the Brewers are trying to build. He's still a contributor. He's still a role player on this team. I don't think there's any pressing need to trade him, so I don't think he will be dealt. I feel at 32, that back is not going to get any better at this point. I mean, we're going to have some times when he, you know, well, Christian's not in the lineup again today. Oh, the back is flaring up, and then it's like two weeks before he comes back. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going on the Ryan Braun plan that they had Braun playing on his last several seasons in Milwaukee where you build in these regular rest days to make sure that things don't flare up. Again, they do have the luxury of the DH now where they can get him a little bit more time at DH and get him off the field, get him off his feet a little bit. But I would expect that he's not going to keep playing quite as many games as he has in the past. You might still have occasional IL stints for that back. I think at this point, if you take 400 plate appearances from him, 450 plate appearances, expect something in that range where he's not an amazing hitter, but a solidly above average hitter. If he does what he did at the plate last season and can sustain that for most of the rest of his deal, which I think he can do, I think that you just kind of say to yourself, you know, this isn't perfect production for what we were hoping for out of this contract, but it still helps the team. So we'll take it. Jack, thanks as always coming on. Get you a Twitter by Jack Stern, B Y Jack Stern, S T E R N. 
from brewcrewball.com. Of course, you read his stuff on there. Good stuff talking all offseason with you. Hey, we'll catch up in the new year, my friend. Thanks for coming on, and, and I hope you have a great new year, my friend. You too, sir. Thank you again for having me. Jack Stern joining us here on Locked on Brewers. Of course, love getting his information and reading his stuff on brewcrewball.com. That's going to do it for the show today. My name is Chuck Freeman. Locked on Brewers, part of Locked on Podcast Network. We are your team every day. So long, everybody.